Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth, so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Doug Spence. Doug lives in San Diego, California, and is an officer in the U.S. Navy. He's the founder of Honor and Equity, a personal finance and real estate resource for military members and veterans. Throughout Doug's real estate career, he has taken on challenges such as the Burr Method and VA Loan House Hack. Today, he educates and shares all his lessons learned with military members and families. Wealth Science, I bring you Doug Spence. What's up, brother? What's going on? Hey, Jesse. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Dude, it's good. I'm, I'm pumped for you to be here, dude. And like we were talking about before we started recording, dude, I've never seen somebody as transparent as you are with all your blog posts and everything, all the lessons that you share and stuff like that. So I think today's going to be a ton of value add. I, I appreciate you coming on and again, taking the time on a Saturday to record this. For the people who don't know you, Doug, I mean, could you take a couple minutes and just introduce yourself? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so my name is Doug and I'm originally from Houston, Texas. I uh, went to Baylor University for undergrad and uh, then went to Navy OCS up in Newport, Rhode Island back in 2009. So I've been in for a little bit. And uh, when I finished OCS, I moved down to Pensacola, Florida for flight school, lived there for two years, then moved to California for some more flight training and then moved out to uh, Atsugi, Japan. And for my uh, fleet tour, did three carrier deployments on the USS George Washington, um, as a backseater in the F-18 Super Hornet and uh, moved from Japan in 2015 back to Pensacola, Florida to be a flight instructor there uh, for three years. And then in 2018, I moved to San Diego to work with ground units here. And uh, my wife and I will be here in San Diego at least until the summer of 2024. So we're very happy to be fortunate enough to live in uh, beautiful San Diego, California. Yeah, dude, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, just some of the experiences I can imagine F-18, I mean, dude, that is like, uh, people, you know, people dream about doing that and you do it in real life, dude. And most people only ever get to do that in video games, dude. And you're, you got to do that. So that's, that's really cool. I find that super fascinating, dude. How did kind of like that early vision of financial freedom and, and how did real estate kind of all kind of wrap into this kind of this, uh, this beginning story? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad a long time ago, probably when I was in high school or college. And I've always been very uh, frugally minded, uh, something passed down from my parents. And ever since I uh, have been in the Navy and have been you know, earning an income, I've had about a 50% savings rate, which has allowed me to you know, take that money and put it into assets. So uh, you know, my foundation is in personal finance and just being, you know, being a saver and heard about bigger pockets in 2015 and started getting addicted to real estate as, as real estate people tend to be. And it's just kind of taken off from there. 
Yeah. I mean, such a, you know, a similar story to so many of us. I mean, I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in college and I too was always like, man, I've, I've got to save money. And I think that's, and I'm curious what you think too, if that's like a myth or not, like saving your way to wealth, as opposed to investing your money and, and growing it to wealth. Um, I, th- I think so many people out there are in the mindset of like, you know, I've got to put away, you know, whatever, 80% into a savings account or something, or 60% into a savings account when, you know, that is a great method and saving is, you know, crucial to the step, but, you know, really taking that and placing it into an asset like real estate or the stock market to grow that money um, into something bigger. I mean, any, any thoughts on the concepts of saving your way to wealth or, or kind of growing that money to wealth? So I think there's a fine line. So I think, you know, you, you have to be good at saving, but then you don't want to leave it in a savings account. You want to put it into assets. And, and that just depends on the individual's strategy and risk tolerance and a lot of factors like that. But, you know, at a minimum, put it in a, a Roth IRA, or if you're a military or federal employee, the TSP is a great way to build wealth. Uh, so just make sure you're not putting it in a savings account and put it into something that's going to grow over time. Or, yeah. or real estate, you know, real estate's another great, you know, way to, to, to invest money. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I, I grew up super similar to you where, you know, we're big savers and I, I agree with you. I think there is a fine line and it's important, you know, when I think of what that first step is, you know, having the right budget within your family, if it's, you know, a husband and wife or family or whatever it is and, and saving the right amount to employ or to deploy that money uh, into another asset. If it is, you know, a TSP Roth IRA, or something like real estate. So, so I've, I've got it. You kind of had that bug in 2015. You started on the bigger pockets, Brian, which is, you know, how so many of us begin. And it's an incredible show, you know, where, where was that first deal at kind of in that timeline? I'm curious and how'd you kind of come about it? Yeah. So, um, I was living in Pensacola and I was renting and I realized that I could buy a house in the same neighborhood that was a little nicer, a little bigger. And my mortgage payment would be about $400 less than what I was renting for. So in my early days, that was the extent of my analysis, uh, you know, as an early investor. And it, it was simple analysis, but it was still correct. You know, I was renting for 1500 bucks a month and I did the numbers and I was like, man, I could, my mortgage would be a thousand or 11, about $1,100 a month if I just bought. And I had the capital. I didn't use my VA loan. Uh, I had the capital to put 20% down. And it was as simple as that. I just, you know, moved down the street, you know, probably two minutes away from where I was living. And then I had a mortgage, mortgage payment of 1100 bucks. So I was, I was saving money as opposed to renting. And doing that principal pay down and getting the tax advantages and everything that goes with investing in real estate. And the plan was to rent it out once I moved from Pensacola, uh, which I knew I was going to be doing about two years or so after I bought the house. And I figured as long as I can rent it for, you know, around 1500, which was what I was renting at the other house, then it would at least pay for itself and it would be a good decision. And it ended up working out even better because I was able to rent it out to tenants, uh, flight students actually for uh, $19.50 a month. So far exceeded my uh, goal of you know being able to rent it out. And I currently rent it out for about $2,100 a month and I self-manage it. And my mortgage payment has somehow, I guess from property taxes or something, it's gone down. So it's like $1,040 a month. So I, I kind of lucked into that one. I uh, got lucky with timing, but um, 
and it's in a solid neighborhood there in Pensacola. So it attracts high quality tenants and just locked in that 30 year fixed mortgage at, you know, 3.6%, which is what, you know, what I got back in 2016 and uh, just, you know, just slowly building wealth uh, through, through that house. And uh, it's actually appreciated a fair amount too. So it's really been most people's first real estate deals are, uh, you know, don't go that well, but I got kind of lucky with that one. Yeah. I think what, I think a couple of the important things you hit on is like kind of being in Pensacola, I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal market buying in a good neighborhood, dude, where this is now going to appreciate over time is huge. I've never lived in Pensacola. I've been there a couple of times just to visit, but I've heard that there is like a massive demand for housing specifically for like the amount of flight students who go in there and stuff like that, dude. So I, I think that's a great idea and what you're able to do. And it almost reminds me of what we kind of do in student housing where we rent, you know, we'll buy an eight bedroom duplex and we'll rent it by the bedroom to the students to kind of maximize NOI yeah. and to build gross revenue. Were you renting these, if you don't mind me asking, by the bedroom or or was this just by the unit or how were you able to achieve, I guess, that 2100 a month? So I, I, I heard this strategy probably on bigger pockets where I, I had in my mind, you know, as long as I get 1500 or so, I'm good with that. And I don't know where I heard the strategy, but I, you know, I heard when you're a couple months away from running it out, put it on Zillow for more than you think you can get just to see, and you can always back it down. And so I put it up for 1950 and within like a two days, these flight students were like, Hey, well, we'll rent your place. And it was three of them. So their BAH, you know, their housing allowance was probably 1300 bucks a month. So they were making money off their BAH because, you know, they were each just putting in, um, what is that? 600 something bucks a month. And they all lived there. I had all their names on the lease. So I wasn't renting out individual rooms. I just had all of them on the lease and they were great tenants and let me know when there were any maintenance problems. And I just called a company to go over there and fix it. And it, it worked out pretty well. And I still rent it out today, not to flight students, but I still have some great tenants in there. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love, you know, again, honing in on those flight students, properties in a good neighborhood, you're attracting high quality tenants, not people who are going to trash the house or that's damage huge. the property, yep. dude. And that's, that's so important. And, and it sounds like the management piece has gone pretty well for you. I mean, any thoughts or you know, lessons learned on managing from out of state or anything like that. I'm sure there are people listening that might be in a similar predicament. Yeah, I think um, it's that's the only property I have that I self-manage. And the only reason I do it is because I have great tenants and they're they're easy. They're easy to work with. If you have like, a, you know, some, some properties I have, there's no way I would self-manage it because the tenants can be more demanding and more challenging, but that's why I have property management. But um, I think having, if you're able to attract those high quality tenants and they are good at communicating and tell you when there are problems and, and all that, then it, it, it's, it's really not that difficult. It's a matter of, well, especially if you have a house that doesn't need a lot of, that doesn't have a lot of problems. That's another key, but I probably spent, you know, quote, managing that property. I mean, less than an hour a month, probably. So I mean, I'm not going to pay a property management company $200 a month to manage it for something that takes up 45 minutes of my time every month. So, yeah. And I'm sure there's property managers out there that would gladly take your $200 oh, from sure 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you hit on a lot of important things and I, I love this and it is, you know, completely possible. And I think it all comes back to, you know, having the right tenants in there. 
And even in some of our student housing properties, you know, we do a lot of value add. We put, you know, stainless steel appliances in there and make the properties really nice. And I think when you make properties really nice, people have, you know, kind of like a, uh, a value of living there and they take better care of the property because when they moved in, it was nice as opposed to moving in and, and the house sucks and the landlord right. doesn't respond for five days when you call them about the hot water tank and, and stuff like that. So I think, I mean, that's an awesome story of an out-of-state investor and you hear so many you know horror stories. So I'm, I'm glad that everything's worked out and, and you're crushing it there with an awesome property. Yeah. You know, continuing down the timeline here. So you had that property, I guess, what was the next step in the journey? So the next step, uh, I read I read a book called Long Distance Real Estate Investing by David Green, which was a huge light bulb moment for me uh, that enlightened me to the idea of live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense, or in military members' case, live where the Navy tells you to live and invest where the numbers make sense. So uh, around the same time I read that book, I got connected with a guy named Stu Grazier, who runs a turnkey company called Storehouse 310 Ventures. He's also a Navy guy. He started that company with his Naval Academy roommate, and now they're both like retiring. But um, I heard him on a podcast and got connected with him, and they had just started the company. And I bought a property through them, one of the first people to buy a turnkey property um, through their company. That's up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And fast forward a couple of years, I've purchased three total properties from them, and they're all doing pretty great. And I have property management company that manages those and, um, you know, something that may terrify your listeners, but I closed on the first two without ever setting foot in the state of Wisconsin. But I think as long as you have the right team and you have the right people doing it, then uh, you can mitigate a lot of the risk involved in out-of-state investing. So it's just a matter of uh, vetting the team more so than vetting the deal and, and making sure you're working with great people. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've talked to a couple people that have gotten in. I've never done anything turnkey or I'm trying to visualize the process that that you and your partners were doing. So do these guys that you bought it from, they purchase the property, they fix it up and bring it up to turnkey status, and then they turn around and sell it to you. Is that kind of the business model or, or what does it look like? I'm curious. Exactly. That's exactly okay. it. So they're basically doing a, a flip. So they're buying a, a distressed property and fixing it up. And instead of selling it and taking the profit themselves, they're selling it to, well, they still take a profit, you know, by, by selling it, but they, they sell it to their group of investors. Uh, and they have like a waiting list. Now their waiting list is like two years long. So, um, but they sell it to their investors, most of which are military members. And then the idea is that by the time you close on the property, uh, property management has already placed a tenant. So when you close your cash flowing from day one, yeah, this is this is really cool. I mean, I'm picturing completely passive. I mean, even what you brought up in Pensacola, when the property is in good shape, which in this case it is, it's turnkey, you're dealing with a tenth of the amount of problems and issues um, and stuff like that. So, dude, this is super interesting. What do, if you don't mind, like what are what do the type of returns kind of look like? I mean, is the cash flow, I guess, you know, what are the dividends and stuff like that each month around yeah. about? Yeah, so all three of the properties are purchased for around a hundred thousand, and it did a, a twenty percent, twenty to twenty five percent down conventional mortgage, um, which goes back to having a high savings rate to have the capital to be able to do that, right? And uh, the mortgages on those vary anywhere from five twelve to eight forty, and they all rent from 
I think the lowest is 1195 and the highest is 1250. So the cash on cash for those, um, you know, after expenses and everything is around 15%. And then you're also getting, you know, the, the tenants paying down the mortgage, you get the tax advantages, you know, you get the depreciation and all that. And it's, it's mostly passive because I have property management running it and they charge it's either eight or 9%. And so they, they handle a lot of problems. I just, you know, make sure all the bookkeeping is, is good. And, you know, look through all the, the uh, monthly statements and yeah, the, those have been great and they've all appreciated too. So the, you know, the first one I bought was uh, 89,000 and it's worth probably 115 now. Second one I bought for 102,000 and it's worth probably 130,000 now. Um, and they're cash flowing as well. So it's been a great way to really get my foot in the door and with, you know, real estate investing, meaning buying properties for the purpose of an investment, not a primary residence that then becomes an investment, but buying it day one as an investment. So that's why I think turnkey is a great way to get into real estate because you're not having to do all the work. Uh, you know, the, you're paying a company to do that essentially when you, when you pay them for the property, but you're able to have that cash flowing asset from day one and start to realize a lot of the benefits. Uh, it's a great way for people that don't have the time or the inclination to do all the work. They can just buy a finished product and benefit from the cash flow immediately. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the one thing I don't want to gloss over, I think it, it is what you hit on. It, it is a super great way to get your foot in the door. Like you said, very few problems. I mean, it sounds very, I've never done it, but it sounds extremely systematic, you know, getting qualified, purchasing the property, the tenants already there, everything's good. Like you said, it's cash flowing from day one. Um, and it has appreciated value too. I mean, it's a win, win, win. So I, I love the systematic approach and I think it is a, a phenomenal way you know, for a, an investor out there who's never done real estate to get in the game um, yeah. with Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I guess, are these guys only doing this in that market or were you drawn to that market? No, I was drawn to the individuals, not the market. So they, they started in Birmingham and they were using it. I think they were using a turnkey provider that kind of screwed them over and they had a bad experience with turnkey. And so they were like, man, how do we, how do we do this ourselves and then provide value to other folks, specifically military investors and, and do it right. So that's how, why they started that company. They identified Milwaukee as a market that checked a lot of metrics. You know, it's a good cash flow market. Um, so they, they decided on Milwaukee. Neither one of them lives in Milwaukee, but they have a team there. And that's how, that's how they got started there. And it's been good. You know, it's a, um, it's a market that has a lot of blue collar, high cash flow neighborhoods and a lot of businesses move there from Chicago because it's a lower cost of living, lower taxes, et cetera. So it's a, it's a good market um, for that kind of cash flow play. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm writing down my notepad right now. So starting in Pensacola, one property, you're best in 45 minutes a month between these three properties, how much time and effort do you think you put a month into it? Uh, I mean, Another 45 Nothing. or no. even less, even yeah. less because the, the property management company does it. I mean, yeah. they do. That's what I pay them for. I pay them eight or 9% a month, but yeah. because, you know, the mortgage, there's such a big Delta between what they rent for and the mortgage. I mean, it's, you know, it's been, it's been good so far and, and you're keeping your capital you know expenses down because you're buying a property that's been rehabbed. So 
um, my monthly maintenance costs and all that are very manageable. Yeah, I love that. And just everything, you know, you're talking about where it comes to when I think of like an investment, it's like, what's going to cost me the least amount of headaches and return the most revenue. And it's like definitely the piece of like the tenants already being in there, the house being in good shape. Like it's, it's a huge, huge upside. I don't think that people can really wrap their minds around with not having their phone ring at, you know, two o'clock in the morning for a busted toilet or something like that. So it's super peace of mind, but so, so, so far we are, you know, across four properties, we're putting in around 50 to 60 minutes a month uh, into this. That's, <laughs> that's pretty impressive, Doug. Yeah. Again, you know, moving down this journey, dude, after those three properties in Milwaukee, what was kind of the next step in the journey and, and what, uh, what was next? Yeah. So the next step was, uh, you know, my, my goal after buying, you know, the second property, the second turnkey property in Milwaukee was, man, I can just, I'll just keep doing this. I'll buy one to two a year with, you know, the money that I save up and then, you know, I'll have like a lot of, you know, have some solid passive income by the time I retire from the Navy. And eventually I joined a mastermind group uh, about a little over a year and a half ago uh, with military folks that are also in real estate and started seeing the other things that are possible. Started seeing the stuff that other guys are doing, you know, active duty guys taking down apartment buildings and doing burrs and flips out of state and doing burrs and flips from other countries. There are guys that living in Europe that were doing burrs and flips in America. And I was like, man, I need to, am I really doing what I can, all I can be doing? Because if I'm just buying turnkey, um, I'm not really maximizing all, all my, uh, you know, all that capital. So that's when I, I, I set my goals a little higher and I, I, I set the goal to, I want to replace both my income and my wife's uh, W-2 income by the time I retire from the Navy. So in order to do that, I, I needed to do more than just buy turnkey properties. Plus, um, the, the, the company that I purchased these from, Storehouse 310 Ventures, uh, they have a two-year waiting list right now because they have such a great product and there's so many people that want that. So I'm not going to, you know, I, I can't wait two years to, to buy one property, right? So that's when I decided to put put my own team together in a, in a different market and start basically doing what they're doing, buying distressed properties, fixing them up, putting them under long-term financing and um, building the portfolio in other markets. And I would be able to do that at a much faster rate than waiting two years to buy a property. So that's what got me to uh, forming an LLC in Oklahoma and identifying Oklahoma as the next market and putting a team together there to do birds and flips, which is what we're focusing on now. Yeah. And, and I, I'm in Oklahoma right now. So I, I'm assuming what, what part of Oklahoma was this? I assume like OKC or Tulsa or, or was it a different market? Yeah, you nailed it. So the first, <laughs> first place I bought a property was in Oklahoma city. And uh, then, so I did a burr there. Burr stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And Earlier this summer, we shifted from Oklahoma City to Tulsa. Um, a big factor in that was Tulsa is a bit of a smaller town, more room for growth. And I got connected with a great real estate agent there in Tulsa, very investor friendly, on board with what I was trying to do. So um, it's still still working with him, still doing that in, in Tulsa now and just trying to uh, really refine the systems to the point where it kind of, it's not, it's not going to run itself, but, um, you know, putting the right people in the right jobs so that it's 
a bit more systematized so that I'm not having to do as much every day in that business. And I can focus on my 2022 goal, which we can talk about uh, later as well. But um, yeah, so, and now we're getting into going from real estate into like business, you know, and entrepreneurship, right. Which is a whole other skill set. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's how we got into Oklahoma. Yeah. It's OKC and, and Tulsa, I think are phenomenal. Like when you look at all the secondary markets across the country, I really think they're up there with some of the best you have Dallas, which is an extremely expensive, you know, primary market to the South. You have obvious Phoenix out West, you have Kansas city kind of to the Northeast, but you've got OKC and Tulsa that sit right there in kind of the middle. And I think a lot of people overlook that Oklahoma type area, but those markets have been booming here, dude, over the last few years. So I'm, I'm, yeah. pumped. I'm pumped that you guys found those. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about that area. A lot of people, um, you know, they look at San Diego, Miami, New York, they look at these sexy cities where it's like, good luck buying a, a cash flowing property there. I mean, you, you look at the MLS right now and those properties, there's no way you're going to cash flow on anything you buy there. So, uh, but you can buy, I bought a property a couple months ago for $20,000 in Tulsa and we're putting 52,000 worth of work into it. And it's going to be worth over a hundred thousand once we're done with the work. So just building in that equity. Yeah. So you, yeah. You can't, you can't do that if, if those numbers on the West coast or the East coast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are, I know guys right now that are buying two and three caps in Dallas, Fort Worth. And it's like, you're, what are you guys cash flowing? It's because again, they're paying so much per door. Uh, because of that primary market, like I always encourage people, like look where other people are not looking or or find the opportunities where not everybody can find them. And there's so many of those great, as you just mentioned, in some of these secondary markets. So I, I just don't, I don't want to gloss over this, uh, the burr that you did in Oklahoma City. If you don't want yeah. to kind of just, oh, you know, running us up through some of the numbers, how you found the deal, you know, some of the lessons learned um, and stuff like that. Robusta Move was founded from our passion for two of the most simple and amazing things in life, good coffee and good music. Both of these enjoyable aspects of life play a vital role in the bringing together of people. And although we understand that everyone's music taste is different, there's no denying that when it comes to coffee, the difference between a good cup and a bad cup is undeniably blatant. That's why in the spirit of community and coming together, we at Robusta Move have made it our mission to supply our customers with superior coffee that you, your friends, and your family can enjoy. And we'll leave the playlist up to you. Visit robustamove.com and save 20% on your first order with the code VINYL. That's code VINYL, V-I-N-Y-L to save 20% on your first order at robustamove.com. Robusta Move Coffee. Try it today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we found the property through a real estate agent there. Um, it was a property that, uh, they, so backing up a bit, the property management company I use, it's a husband-wife team. So the husband um, started the company and his wife is a real estate agent that that works with the company as well. And so they manage a lot of properties. The One of the owners of the property they manage was looking to sell. And after talking with her and giving her my criteria for what I was looking for, she recognized it as an opportunity that would work for me. So she said, hey, there's this guy wants to sell his duplex for 100,000. Uh, is that something you want to do? Looked at it and immediately recognized that it was something that fit my criteria and that I wanted to buy. So um, 
paid cash for that property using private money, uh, private money from my sister-in-law. Uh, so it's a whole other discussion we can get into, you know, private lending, but um, paid cash for that property uh, about a year ago, we bought it about a year ago this month and ended up putting about 25 grand worth of work into it. And uh, it rented, uh, it, we kept the tenants in the whole time. So it, it was, it was cash flowing from the beginning, 695 per side. So that including uh, pet fees, which we charge them, uh, the total rent, uh, the total monthly income is about $1,465 a month. And so that, that's one thing that, that was unique about this. A lot of times when you're doing these rehabs, there's no tenant in place, which is a lot more costly because you're not making any money. But this was unique in that it was mostly an exterior cosmetic rehab. Uh, so we were able to keep tenants in place the whole time. So uh, then we put in put in all the work. Um, it, it, it we ran into you know a number of problems with the rehab as 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 we we tend to do doing rehabs. You know they go over budget, they go over time. But I kind of planned for that as well. Um, and it took about let's see six six months and 23 days, I believe, uh, to do the whole rehab. And my sister-in-law funded the purchase price and the rehab, paid her uh, 10% interest on her money. And uh, at the end, once the refi was, or sorry, once the uh, rehab work was complete, um, I got a, it was called a cash out refinance with no seasoning period. So found a lender that would give us 80% loan to value. So the property appraised for 161. So um, all in at about 125 grand, right? Appraised for 161. We put it under a long-term mortgage. Uh, and I think the total amount of the mortgage was 128,000. So after using that money to pay back my sister-in-law with the, the money that she had lent plus interest, I ended up only having to leave in about $8,000 of my own money. So um, and then going, you know, comparing this to like a turnkey where you're buying a hundred thousand dollar property, putting 20% down, I was able to buy a $161,000 property at the end of the day with only leaving it $8,000 and it cash flows, um, a few hundred dollars a month. So, and we're raising rents now, uh, as their leases are up. So those, you know, but our mortgage payment stays the same, but the rents are going up. So, um, yeah, it was a successful burr and especially for our first one and doing it out of state. So, uh, but, but learned, learned a great deal. And I've, um, you know, on, on my website, I have an article here. It's called my first burr by the numbers. If you go to honor and uh, you can find that article. And then I wrote another article called my first burr lessons learned. So you can go in there and, and, and read more about it, read more in depth about the numbers and, and all that. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a great experience and I learned a great deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like when you're looking at a Burr property, how, what is the process like of like figuring out budget, budget timeline, how this is all going to work? I mean, are you doing that, I guess, during the due diligence period or how are you going around, you know, whatever, it's going to be $3,000 for the windows. It's going to be $2,000 for the front porch, you know, et cetera. I guess, how are you building out that budget and budget timeline to meet your business model in the Burr? Yeah, it's it, it's really relying on people and relying on experts. So I mean, I'm not a I'm not a home rehabber. I'm not even there to see the property. So it's relying on the real estate agent and relying on contractors to say, hey, 
based on, you know, the, based on what I'm seeing here, it's going to, you know, I recommend you do X, Y, and Z. And then here's an estimate of what it would cost. Um, another thing that, that we used was uh, we had a very thorough inspection report. And so we used that to, you know, as our guideline for what we need to fix. So uh, we didn't fix everything in the inspection report because inspection reports tend to be extremely thorough. So we identified what what we would need to fix, you know, the stuff that we had to fix, safety concerns or whatever. And then the stuff that we thought we could get a good return on our money for making those improvements. A lot of that was uh, exterior cosmetic work and then uh, did a little bit of work in the kitchen as well. But most of it was exterior stuff. And were you boots on the ground for this or were you also, I assume you were also out of state at this point. So I guess coordinating through contractors to get this work done. Again, this seems like it's a, it's a lot harder, I think, to manage a contractor from out of state that's doing a rehab as opposed to managing, you know, a uh, turnkey property out of state. So I guess, were you out of state and what was that? Was that management process of the contracting and the rehabbing any harder in this deal? Yeah. So the really special part about this was um, being connected with that property manager in Oklahoma City. He's an army guy. So we had that military connection and he said, hey, you know, you can you can use my network of contractors to do all the work and we're not going to upcharge you anything. So, uh, and we'll also go there and verify that work was completed and send you pictures and all that. So that was a huge uh, benefit to me as an out-of-state investor and a benefit for him as well, because now he's getting a, an improved property. Um, he's, you know, giving his network of contractors business and then he's getting long-term money from managing it. So it, it's, it's, it's beneficial for everyone involved, but I was very thankful that he, uh, put in the time and, and allowed his staff to help me with the project management at no additional cost. Uh, so that was, you know, huge for me as an out-of-state investor. Yeah. And I, I think like the base of that, like success, like what I always tell people is like networking, like getting on the phone and talking to people and meeting people. And it's like, dude, yeah, you're hundred percent, right. You gave his network, you know, phenomenal work. He was making sure it gets done, which is huge. I mean, there's so many, unfortunately, shady, you know, general contractors out there who maybe would take advantage of an out-of-state owner or something like that. But, you know, building out those good relationships and that good network where you had a dude, you know, making sure all the work was getting done and too standard. I mean, super, super powerful. I'm, I'm really pumped to hear that that's how it worked out. And you had that great connection. You know, when, when looking at the Burr model, Doug, I guess, what do you think are some of those unexpected expenses or, or maybe what are some things that maybe you missed in like your initial budgeting plan um, that you don't want other people to miss or you think maybe a lot of people overlook? Yeah, with specifically in terms of the rehab, I mean, I think it's good to, I mean, if your numbers are really tight, if you're like, hey, the scope of work is 20 grand and if it goes over 20 grand, um, I'm underwater, like then that's not where you need to be. You know, you have to assume that rehabs are going to go over budget and over time uh, for factors out of your control. Uh, that's what we ran into with this Oklahoma City property, because I don't know if you were in Oklahoma City earlier this year or in Oklahoma earlier this year when they, there were there was, a I think, a two week period of time where it was below freezing. I mean, it was extremely cold in Oklahoma and there was no work that got done on the property in that time. And we also had a huge delay with windows. I had no idea at the beginning that the turnaround of getting windows delivered would take so long. So, you know, windows are one of the last things we were planning to do. And we got the estimate for it and they said, okay, it's going to be about an eight week turnaround to get these windows delivered. And I was like, oh my God, like eight weeks for windows. Like 
I, I just, and that's because of a lot of the COVID supply chain stuff. So, you know, little things like that, that I, you know, how, how could I have known at the beginning, you know? So uh, a lot of things like that, that, that made it go from what I thought was going to be a three month rehab, which it should have been, it should have taken no more than three months. Um, a lot of those factors pushed it out to uh, nearly seven months it took, but that's okay because I bought it at such a discount. You know, I'm not buying no, paying full retail, not buying it on the MLS. I'm buying it at a huge discount, which gives me some room, wiggle room there for some costs to go over. So to answer your question, I think it's important to assume, you know, be very conservative with your estimate. If you think, and everyone tells you, oh, it's going to be a $20,000 rehab, budget for 25, budget for 26, because it's it's you're probably going to go over time and go over budget. And if you don't, then great, then you're under budget. But you have to assume it's going to go over and make sure you have enough wiggle room there that if you do go over, it's not going to hurt you on the deal. And a lot of that goes to buying these prices at a discount off market. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think the two, like when looking at this, the two main keys that I think you absolutely crushed was the first one, the networking piece. The second one, buying it at a discount, three keys. And the third one I would hit is the tenant being in the house and cash flowing, even as you guys yeah. are doing this, if I could outline like three things that you crushed that made this deal a home run, dude, that those were the three I would pick out for sure. Um, yeah. the, the rents, dude, like the rents from pre uh, rehab to post rehab. What, what did that look like? I'm curious that change. Dude, that's a good question. So right now it rents out for six ninety five aside. Plus uh, they have dogs. So, I mean, there's a, you know, a little bit of a pet fee in there too, that I think is, combined like 125 bucks a month, something like that. But so these tenants, they, they knew that the owner was going to be selling. So they wisely renewed their leases right before the sale of the property and locked in their rates at six, 695 aside, knowing that I would probably be raising rents. Right. So, um, so good on them for that. And I knew, however, that once the rents, once the year came around, that we'd be wanting to raise rents. One, because market rents have, have gone up significantly in the area. Two, because of the 25 grand worth of work that we've done to the property. We've improved the property. So we want to uh, you know, increase the rent accordingly. So my plan was to raise the rents $150 per side. So go from $695 to $845. And you may think, wow, that's a lot. Well, if you look at the, the, the amount of increase in rents there in Oklahoma City, it's been significant plus the work we did. Right. So I thought that was fair. So talking with the property manager just recently, she said, Hey, that's, you know, they think they don't think they can do that. That's going to be too much. And I said, okay. Um, you know, a couple of options we can say, okay, well, your lease is up. Um, you know, we're going to find someone else and we're going to raise the rents. What the downside to doing that was now we're looking for tenants at the worst time of the year to place tenants, which is holidays, Christmas, most people aren't moving or don't want to move in December or, you know, right around Christmas. Right. So I thought, I don't really want to do that. I also don't want to not increase rent at all because we put all this money into it. Uh, so I found a compromise, which is we're going to raise it hundred bucks a month instead of 150 and we're going to put it on a six month lease. So now that takes us to next May, June, when people are starting to move and much more likely to move. So we'll have a, a better pool of tenants to select from and we'll be able to get uh, hopefully that $150 increase per side that we're hoping for. So we're going to lock in those tenants for six month uh, lease, short-term lease, 
for uh, only a hundred bucks a side. So kind of meeting in the middle, but also making it beneficial for us because I don't want to try to find new tenants, you know, around the Christmas time because it's a terrible time. So um, that that's how I've handled that. And just it's like, back to relationships. I have a great relationship with that company, that property management company, and they're very responsive and uh, very helpful uh, for me. And, you know, they understand the market, they understand the tenants and they've just been great to work with. Yeah. I love how you place such an emphasis dude on the selection of the tenants and how important that is and how much that can make or break, especially like a single family or a duplex property like this, where it's not like you have a hundred doors and it's like, man, if I have one crappy tenants, whatever, I've got 99 good apples. It's like, now, dude, if I have like two bad apples in there of my two doors, it's like, it could be detrimental, huge to the property. I mean, great creative and critical thinking and, and finding that solution that, hey, we're going to do it $100 for six months and then find a better tenant and, you know, more of an optimal move time. So I think that's powerful, dude. And then, yeah, those three keys. I mean, everything sounds like this burr. Uh, you know, when I look at so many real estate journeys, it's like people tell horror stories of their first burr or their first property. But Doug, it sounds like you've knocked everyone out of the park. I mean, you know, are you getting a little nervous about the next deal or, or are you thinking you're due for one pretty soon or, or what are you thinking? I've thought about that for years. Uh, like I'm, due, I'm due for a disaster, right? Because I mean, you, you, you hear about, you know, oh yeah, my contractor ran away with 20 grand, you know, hear all these horror stories. And I've been fortunate enough where that, like all of my deals that I've done have been good. You know, they've been positive and I'm just, you know, you do real estate long enough. You're going to, you're going to get sued. You're going to have bad tenants. You're going to have a contractor run off with your money. So I'm, part of me is like, I'm ready for it. You know, let's, <laughs> let's do it. But, uh, you know, ho hopefully it doesn't happen, but you know, if you're in this business long enough, it's inevitable. So. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I, I like to actually be serious. I mean, I think like it goes back to like the fundamentals that you're doing and that you have built these awesome relationships and that's why you're finding this early and just consistent success by just doing the basics and the fundamentals, right. Of good underwriting and, and building good connections and, and good partnerships. So, you know, yeah, I think a key I, I mean, to that bring is, it back to that, but yeah, I think a key to that is, you know, we touched on a little bit, not just the networking, but providing value to others first is, is crucial because if you're take, 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 no one's going to want to work with you. So I always uh, try to make sure that I'm, you know, giving as much as I'm taking, uh, or, or more ideally giving more than what I'm taking. So that's, you have to have that mindset as well. Otherwise you're not going to be in this business very long or you're not going to be successful. So, uh, networking and always giving value to others. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're a go abundance guy and I, I love talking mindset and I'm a huge Tim Kelly fan. I mean, I'm in the ADPI mastermind and he was the guy this year who was like, Jesse, you got to read the book, The Go-Giver, which is exactly what we're talking yeah. about right now. Have you have you read that book? It's, yes, you know, I have. Yeah, it's what we're talking right now. So I assume we, you did. But he was like, Jesse, you got to read this book, dude. And like, I tell that to everybody. Like, if you're in real estate or if you're in the military, whatever you're in, like, this book applies to everybody. The concept of giving more than you receive and, and the reciprocating effects of that is, is incredible, dude. But um. As we're getting ready to wrap up here, I mean, I love, again, I know you're in the GoBundance community. I love like talking mindset because I think that's such a crucial, important part to the wealth journey and, and real estate journey, dude. I mean, you know, what, are, what have been some of your biggest, I guess, mindset takeaways from this journey? I mean, what are your thoughts? What, what works for you? I don't know if you do 
affirmations or you have a daily routine or you write down goals or anything like that, but just coming from the GoBundance community, like I, I'd be really interested in your thoughts. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I joined GoBundance only about six weeks ago. And one of the things that drew me to it was, uh, you know, they have these six pillars and it's not just, it's not just about being rich. You know, they, the, the financial stuff is one of the six pillars, you know, it's about being a well-rounded person. And I think it's important to, for people, especially folks that are early in their journey, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're balanced. Cause if you're going hundred percent in on real estate, but you're neglecting your spouse, you're neglecting your kids, you're neglecting your job, your friends, your health, it's not going to work out well in the long run. So it's a long game. So don't just say, all right, I'm going all in on real estate. And I'm spending 14 hours a day and screw everything else in my life. So you got to maintain that balance. Um, and it's tough, especially if you're doing, you know, working full-time W2 job or you're active duty military, you're deploying, but you got to maintain that balance. You got to think about your friends and family and, and, and your health. You know, a lot of people neglect their own health and, you know, it's, I think we have a lot of opportunities for us, you know, not just financially, but in the health community uh, to live much longer than we've lived in the past, especially at, you know, the baby boomer generation in front of us. There's going to be a lot of medical advances that will prolong the life expectancy. And, you know, I want to be as healthy as I can so I can live as long as I can, you know, well over 100. That's my goal so that I can, you know, enjoy everything. So enjoy time with family and all that. So. All that to say, I think it's important to stay balanced um, and and having the right mindset to, to do that. And being in a mastermind group is a good way to do that as well. Um, so as far as daily routines, I I have a, a a journal that I that I use daily. I use the Panda Planner. Uh, it's called the Panda Planner Venture. It's right here. Um, it's only like thirteen bucks on Amazon, and I just use it to stay focused on you know what my goals are. Um, you know, make sure I'm exercising every day, make sure I'm reading every day, um, stay focused on my long-term goals as well as my short-term goals. And I write in little things I'm thankful for every day. So just, and it, it only takes a few minutes, but it's, it's had a huge impact on my, uh, I think growth over the last year and a half. So. Yeah. I mean, the balance part is, is so important. And I think, especially in this in this game, it's like, you know, you close one deal and it's like, what's next? Okay. Now we're doing a burr and now it's like, okay, well, we're doing single families, you know, let's go to multifamilies and it's like, what's next, you know, what's next. But I think, like you said, dude, it's, it's so important to have that balance. And even now I know you and I are both active duty. It's like, you know, some days you come home at 1700 and it's like, I'm sure, you know, days are crazy with you. If you're looking at another deal and it's like, you're, you know, behind your computer till midnight and you're totally, it's, it's hard to kind of grip and to kind of step away and be like, dude, there's more to this game than just, you know, the next deal. It's like, we're building this, the big why behind this is to eventually build passive income to, you know, allow us the freedom of time to pursue our, our goals and our dreams with the people we love. And if we're, you know, neglecting them early in this process, it's, you know, there's not going to be anyone to go chase those dreams with, you know, five, 10 years front down the road, dude. So yeah, I, I completely agree with all that. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I just wanted to, you know, hit you with two more questions before we wrap up, dude. We, I hit this with everybody and I'm, I'm interested in what your thoughts are going to be. Uh, the first question, um, Doug, if you could solve any problem in the world, what would it be and why? Man, my mind first, you know, there's a lot of problems out there, but I, I think that one of the first things that comes to mind is, um, you know, veteran suicide and then veteran housing. You know, I think there's 22 veterans that, 
commit suicide every day, which is just tragic. And then there's so many veterans out there that don't have a place to live. You know, it's people that have served our country, but you know, living on the street due to whatever problem. But um, if I could solve anything, it'd probably be, I, I choose both of those veteran suicide and veteran housing. So. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And it's, it's unfortunate, you know, what's going on. Obviously we just ended the longest war in this nation's history. And now, you know, even before this, we were seeing the reciprocating effects of it, but I, I completely agree with you. I mean, a huge problem that, that demands a solution, but another phenomenal way for us to give back and to help solve that problem. You know, we're here with this unique skill set of, of owning and, and increasing the value of real estate. It's like, how can we do that to help other veterans? So dude, I, I love that. And I'm, I'm all for that. And I'm, I'm pumped you brought that up. The last thing I'm going to hit you with, dude, again, I hit it with everybody. Doug Spence is living the perfect life. What's it look like? Ooh, um, living in Florida and going out on a boat a couple times a week, uh, spending about a month a year up in the mountains going snowboarding. And uh, I probably only work five to 10 hours a week and spend the rest of my time with friends and family, just doing outdoor activities. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, my goal is super similar to that. And it's like, I love it because it's 100% doable. It's like 100% possible. It's like, people are like, oh, there's no way you're only going to work 10 hours a week. It's like, now if we build enough passive income, you know, I could put an hour a day into the computer and be done. And it's like, it's totally doable, dude. And it just goes back to what I was talking about, that freedom of time. So I love that, dude. I, I love it. Everything you've hit on today. Today was awesome, man. I really appreciate it. You know, Doug, people that want to hear more about you, learn more about your story. I know you have incredible content on your website. Your blogs are awesome, man. What are the best platforms you're on and, and how can people reach out to you after this? Yeah, thanks, Jesse. Um, I think uh, there's two places. So you mentioned one, the website, www.honorandequity.com. I've got over 30 blog articles that I've personally written. Don't outsource it to VAs. And a lot of it's just documenting the journey. It's a lot of it's real estate focused. So I would go there, honorandequity.com. And then also our Instagram, we're very active on Instagram. So at honor and equity on Instagram and uh, feel free to reach out to us. We love chatting with folks about real estate and seeing if there's any way we can provide value to, to other people. Yeah. And just one last thing I'll, I'll hit on when, when we hit you up on Instagram, it's the real Doug Spence hit you back. It's not some fake VA from across the world, brother. That's what right. I love, exactly. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's that's either, it'll either be, it'll be me or, or my business partner and sister-in-law Tess. So we both, uh, we're both on, on Instagram a fair amount, uh, you know, with the content and chatting with people. So. Yeah, I love that dude. And, and like I said, I appreciate you coming on today. And I think just the level of transparency that you gave, I mean, even some of these deals, and I know on your blog posts on your website, you're like breaking down the bird down to like a couple pennies. And so many people, I think, you know, don't do that and don't share that level of transparency, but that's a huge part of the education process and learning about all those fees that come about, bro. So Doug, again, I, I appreciate what you're doing, dude. I appreciate the mission you're on. You're crushing it. There's, there's no doubt our paths are going to cross here. So I appreciate you coming on Wealth Science today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Doug. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please, do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. 
Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.